Hello and welcome to the Four Comic Junkies podcast. When the comics aren't enough and you need a little extra fix. I'm your host, JJ Hondes, and this podcast is a proud member of the Batman Podcast Network, hosted by Batman on Film. Go to batman-on-film for all the latest, greatest, coolest Batman news. And speaking of Batman news, um, well, kind of, this is old. Anyway, we are talking Justice League Origin slash Justice League War, which is the adaptation of Justice League Origin, uh, with my good buddy, Chris Evans. Thank you so much for joining me today, Chris. Hey, how's it going? Um, I am very excited to talk about this. Um, I thought a lot about this, and it's so interesting that the New 52 Justice League, that was the first comic that came out with the New, excuse me, with the New 52. Because I remember it distinctly. It was, it was Flashpoint number five and Justice League number one. They were the only DC comics that were released that day. And, and I gotta say that this is the first, especially the first issue of Justice League is one of the most fun comics I've ever read. Like, it's just, I just have a blast reading it. And then the whole six issue origin story, I mean, it it's six issues, but I mean, it's a, it's a quick read. It is action packed. You know what? What? What are you? What? What's your memory of the the new fifty two slash? You know the the Justice League origin story. Well, you know, leading up to the new fifty two, I was very excited because mm-hmm. I was already reading comics at the time. But I was like, okay, cool, this is a new jumping on point. We're getting new stories, all new stuff. This is going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> and at that point, I actually hadn't read a Justice League comic. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd read the characters separately, but not together. So. Oh. You know, that was another thing. I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to finally read Justice League. Mm-hmm. So I picked this one up because, like you said, it was what was out. And, man, like, like you said, this is just a fun issue. The, the first one, just a fun issue. Yeah. And it gives you these versions of the characters that are they're, they're in line with what we've read before, but they're a little different, too. They've mm-hmm. got that Jeff Johns spin on them, if you will. Sure. And uh, it's just a fun one. And and I love the pacing of this whole arc. The mm-hmm. pacing is just immaculate. Yeah. Every issue feels like like you're watching or you're reading like a short story and it all fits together perfectly. Yeah. Uh the the thing about Jeff Johns that that I've always really loved, uh, that that I think can be grading some people, is that most of the time when he writes, he's he's always planting seeds for other stuff. And there'll be something that happens at the beginning of, let's say, like issue number 15 that'll pay off in, at the end of 19 or something like that. Um, he's always, you know, like, like the stories are linear, but, but there's, there's kind of a scatteredness to them, you know, that always feels very cinematic. Whereas with this, it, it, he's not really doing that. He's telling a very straightforward, you know, you know, day one, the Justice League meets, here we go. You know, it really isn't until the last issue when you start to get teases and hints of what he's going to do with the rest of the, the arc as with the stories as they go forward. Yeah, that's something I appreciate too, because a lot of these times, you know, we get these books and 
they're bigger than the, the single issue reading, of course, because they want to plant all these seeds, whether it's John's, uh, Scott Snyder, Chip Zdarsky, whoever. Yeah. They're always planting seeds. And it's nice just to get something like this where you get A to B in every issue. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to worry about, you know, C, D, E, or F. You just right. read what's on the page. It's there. It's entertaining. That's it. And, and I think, you know, and, and that approach for this being the, the you know, inaugural New 52 book, it, it makes sense that it's it's as straightforward as it is because, mm -hmm. you know, you feel like if they're trying to bring in new people, which they, I think for the most part, they were pretty successful, at least at the start I, of the New 52. I think so, too. Uh, but it, it, I, I think a lot of people would have been turned off if it, it had started with, you know, six months later or something like that, you know, like how... Um, like how Batman R.I.P. starts, right? It starts with six months, six months later. <laughs> um, like, so it makes sense that this is uh, just straightforward Justice League origin, and you don't even really need to get into. We don't get a lot of who these characters are, you know, through like exposition. We just kind of you're just sort of fed the information through the art and through some of the dialogue, right? You know, so it's not. It's not like they have to stop. I mean, like he does say, like Green Lantern does say, you know, I, I patrol all this space sector mm -hmm. or whatever. But he's not saying it in such a, like there's not a thought bubble or like a, well, let's stop and get his origin and meet Abin Sir or whatever. We don't have to do that. He can just kind of say it and Batman just kind of blows him off and he's getting pissed off. Like, <laughs> like, dude, I'm trying to talk to you. Come on. You're you know, busy Hal. Yeah. Uh, I like that aspect too. The conversations in all six issues are really one of the things that stands out to me. One of the reasons is that mm -hmm. if you're not familiar with the characters, you get what you need by this organic dialogue that you're reading. It doesn't yeah. feel forced and it and it feels like these characters, right. which is, that's a testament to the way Johns wrote this. It's very familiar, even though it has his, his spins on there, it's still familiar enough. And so, like, if you don't know Green Lantern, he just explained who he is, and you got it now. Right. Even if you don't, and, and also, like, a character like the Flash or Cyborg, who you may not know a lot about, you do kind of get their order enough of who they are to go forward with them. Right, right. And and I think that that's, it, it, it's, a, it's a smart way to do it because you're, you're giving, you know, seven character introductions throughout six issues. Yeah, you know, and I think for the most part, audiences, especially Superman and Batman, pretty much anybody that would pick up a comic book, they, we know who they are. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's not um, that's not news there. Um, like Green Lantern, Flash, um, Cyborg, especially. You know, but but this is also like a, a completely different origin for Cyborg versus what has had been done previously with you know the new Teen Titans and everything. And, and that's all well and good because, you know, this is a brand new number one. So Jeff Johns is kind of at, you know, he gets to kind of do whatever the heck, whatever he wants, right? <laughs> yeah, free reign. Yeah. Have at it. And, and I like, um, and I like that the, as, as fun and action packed as the story is, there are still those smaller character beats. You know, you get like Batman and Green Lantern kind of forcing each other to, get to know each other, mm -hmm. you know, and Batman calling Green Lantern out and saying like, 
what what are you doing? What are you trying to prove? And then you get those beats with, uh, you know, Cyborg, you know, with Victor Stone and his father, where he, you know, all Victor wants is his father to be at his games. And he's like, I'm not going to do that. Like, look at what's going on in the world. Like, you know, what you can do, you know, throwing a football doesn't mean anything anymore because we have superheroes. And it's such a, it's, it's, it's so cold, but at the same time, there's a part of your brain that's like logical going, uh, he kind of has a point, but at the same time, I don't, but I don't buy it. I'm like, I think people would still want to watch football, you know, even though <laughs> there's like Superman and Batman flying around. Well, yeah, I, I think especially you'd want to watch your kids football game, you know? Well, sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, I think that moment, like you said, the character beats hit that one, like, I'm not a giant cyborg fan. I'm really not. I like yeah. this the Zack Snyder version a lot. Mm-hmm. And I like this version. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I can't really pick out a cyborg I like. So, you know, for me, this is cyborg. Yeah. And the relationship between his father and this one really hits. And it, it's so simple. Because it's only a it's not a lot of the story. There's so many other things going on. Yeah. We don't get a ton of it, but the part that we do get works so well and and, and one yeah you kind of like logic like yeah there's other stuff going on but at the same time this is your kid what are you doing right go check out the damn game yeah it's, <laughs> it, it it there is a it, it it is sad too because you're you know I, I can't necessarily relate but i think a lot of people probably can relate to the workaholic parent story mm-hmm. too you know and or, or the parent that is emotionally unavailable and so those are kind of beats that can hit really well. And um, and I also just like that, like the book is genuinely funny. Like there's genuinely laugh out loud yeah. moments, but it's not, um, but it's not making fun of the characters. Like it all feels organic and, and you know, uh, within, you know, the, the within the characters' rights or characterization yeah like everybody word it's in the realm of possibility in the universe we're given i think yeah and and i like that um you know you have and and another thing is that they they all have distinct voices you know so they're so i don't you know because that's sort of the problem with some of the original justice league stories you had to read like brave and the bold from like the you know 50s and 60s and even like super friends back in the day is you know, if you were to close your eyes when you're watching Super Friends, odds are you wouldn't be able to tell who's talking, you know? <laughs> it's just, you know, brotherly love with them all. Right. Let's right. go there's, do the thing. You're yeah, right. Let's go. <laughs> there's there's no interpersonal conflict. No. They're uh, super friends. They're just happy. Right. Happy yeah. to be together. And, you know, and that was fine for back in the day, but audiences are a little bit more sophisticated now. You know, we, I think the drama fuels the story and it makes it that much more that much more interesting and exciting because if it wasn't there if Green Lantern showed up and Batman was like oh Green Lantern thank goodness you're here you know now we can get to work then I just be like (laughs) okay I'm done like you know well I agree I kind of want to see that in its own Elseworld book (laughs) well yeah sure I'm glad you're here to save Gotham (laughs) I kind of want to see it yeah um and it's but it's 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 fun getting those character interactions and even the the other smart thing that that he did was have like so green lantern and uh 
and uh, Flash, they already know each other, you know, so they've already been on a few cases together. Um, and and I like that they all kind of marvel at the fact that, like, wait, Batman's real? Wait, Superman's real? That. Like, you know, it's it's such a it's such fun little bits that they added there. And, you know, when he's on the phone, you know, Green Lantern's on the phone with the Flash, you know, with Barry. And he's like, he's like, I really need your help. He's like, well, I can't really come there right now. He's like, Batman and I are in trouble. And he's like, wait, Batman's real. It's just, there's something just so hilarious about all that interaction there. And it's, it's different the way they do it in the movie. Uh, but I loved the way, like I said, it just, this is, it's such a breeze to read through, mm-hmm. you know, and a big part of that is because, you know, Jim Lee and uh, Alex Sinclair and Scott Williams, you know, with, with the, all the art, I mean, oh, they, yeah. they, they go for broke, right? You know, it's, they do. It's a beautiful book. Yeah. It is like, you know, in 22 pages per issue, a good chunk of them are splash pages, but it's not annoying and it doesn't feel gimmicky. You know what I mean? <laughs> No, that's the thing about the story and the pacing also, I think, is a, is thanks to Jim Lee a lot because the way the art, art is presented, you're on this ride. Yeah. So everything you're seeing just fits. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> it fits with what they're doing. So those splash pages, they make sense. Yeah. We need to see the broad scope of what's happening. Right. And, and the art is, you know, Jim Lee's just a top-notch artist anyway. Oh yeah. No, you give him these characters, he's gonna make them beautiful, and he does. Yeah. And it's it's funny because I think there's there's some critiquing, you know, like I'm not I was never super crazy about all the uh, new fifty two like redesigns. Yeah, like most people like, aren't. Yeah, like like Batman's costume just looks so busy. Like there's yes. like so many lines on it, and definitely inspired by like the Nolan movies, right? Because it's going to look like armor versus looks like, like armor pajamas. Right. Yeah. And, and, but then like, you know, Superman, he's got the collar and the, and his sleeves like go out to, you know, his kind oh, of like oh, emo sleeves. Yeah. Like almost over his hand. And <laughs> those emo like, sleeves are cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, like Green Lantern doesn't really change too much. And, Flash, I, I do like the Flash's look, you know, like the, the chin strap look never really bothered me. Um, and, you know, and obviously that's what they adapted when they made the uh, the TV show, um, you know, a few years after this. And then uh, and Wonder Woman's pretty much the same, uh, whereas Cyborg is more robot than person looking versus how he looks in the uh, like in the Teen Titans comic books previous to this. He's much more RoboCop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Much more which I approve. Yeah. I actually like the new 52 designs, except for probably Batman, because I it's not my favorite suit. Yeah, yeah. But I actually love the way Superman is presented with the collar. I think that's mm-hmm. a really cool look. I like the weird sleeves. <laughs> it, I, it's, I, it, it's one of my favorite looks for him. You know, it, it it's, it's unique and everything. I remember when Man of Steel was coming out and they showed promo pictures of Henry Cavill. Mm-hmm. I was surprised that they didn't give him the collar. I was you know? too. I was like, oh, I thought they were gonna go pull on New 52. Um but you know instead he had his you know S looked a little bit more like Earth 2 Superman S, right? Mm-hmm. Um and and then of course when they did Batman, he was very much like the Frank Miller Batman. Um yeah. which was deliberate on uh Snyder's part. And uh 
So I was like, so, but I just, but I remember the first image they showed of, of like the Justice League, which ended up being the number one cover, kind of leaping into battle. Like the first, you know, uh, round of it, Wonder Woman had pants. Um, you remember that when she had pants for a little bit before before the New Fifty Two, and then she was oh, supposed yeah. she was supposed to when the New Fifty Two started, and then I think there was a lot of backlash, so they took that away. Yeah, people got upset. Why is she wearing pants? She should have naked legs. Like, <laughs> which if that's the, pants. if that's the hill you're gonna die on, you know. <laughs> like, right, good luck with that one. <laughs> yeah, like I, I, if I had to choose between the pants and Superman's collar, I'd probably go with the pants. You know, but. Um, I know. Uh, <laughs> I knew I'd get you with that one. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Either way, I like both costumes. With yeah, pants, yeah. Without pants, whatever. Uh, but but I like that. Uh, but I like that they presented her very much as as a warrior, and it's 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 a little. I think when they did the adaptation, they took that just a little too far in terms of her being yeah obsessed with battle or whatever, whereas. In in the book, I felt like she was very, you know, not not excited to fight, but ready to fight. Whereas um, in the movie, it just feels like she's just looking for fights everywhere. <coughs> in the movie, it kind of feels like she's more Thor from yeah. the first Thor movie. Yeah, it yeah. feels like they watched that and said, "Hey." Let's just do that with Wonder Woman. Right, right. That's a good way to put it. That's kind of what I got out of it rewatching it because it it's not um it's not a bad version of her, I don't think. No. But it's not my favorite type of Diana. Yeah. I but I kind of like the um like the innocence to her, you know, and, mm-hmm. and they put and they put some of that in the in the first movie, right? You know, when she eats ice cream and she's like, Oh, this is the most delicious thing ever. And it's just like Stuff like that, I think, is cute. You know, the "quote unquote" fish out of water stuff that they do with, um, that you know, that they did with you know with Thor and with Wonder Woman, mm-hmm. but very differently in the Wonder Woman film. And well, I thought too. I think better in the Wonder Woman film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can give you that. Um, and I really liked the the first Thor film, um, but um, you know, compared to how he evolved and you know and say what you will about the last couple of movies uh like i I still enjoy them you know (laughs) i like three of them yeah yeah the last one (laughs) they were you know i've talked about it before on the show but it's like i dug uh like my favorite stuff in the movie was the more emotional stuff yeah and it was thor and jane i was like oh Mm -hmm. well this is really sweet Uh, that's the best part yeah, yeah. And then when they went full on Take a then it was like, you know, you're just you're you're doing what Tim Burton did with Batman Returns. You're just letting him go nuts with it. And it's exactly. like Exactly. Sometimes you need to rein these guys in just a little bit. <laughs> just a little. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um but um did you so the movie when they adapted it, which I think they, they did a good job with the adaptation, mm-hmm. although I, I don't un- quite understand why they switched Shazam with Aquaman, though. Um, I, I guess because they did the when they did the Throne of Atlantis movie, they wanted to give more breathing room for the Arthur character, and I enjoyed that movie a lot. But it just it, in the context of this film, 
it just didn't seem like there was a story reason to change it other than giving Victor somebody to talk to. You know what I mean? Yeah, I was so I didn't remember that they switched them because uh-huh. I hadn't seen the movies. Uh, it's been a long time since I watched it. Oh yeah, and so I thought it was just Aquaman in the movie. Then when I rewatched, I was like, "Hey, where's Aquaman? Wait a minute, what is this about?" <laughs> yeah. So it was like watching it for the first time again. And I agree with you. There's not really a story reason, but at the same time, I kind of like Shazam in it. Yeah, more than I do Aquaman. Even though I feel like they both bring something to each version of the story, I feel like Shazam's works a little bit better. And maybe it is because you get more Cyborg. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe maybe that's why I like it more because I do like this version of Cyborg. Yeah. And in the other version, he's just kind of Robocop. Uh, true, true. Um, and I also feel like he has a better arc in the movie, mm-hmm. you know, where and here he goes. Y'all didn't see it, but that was my cat racing across the screen, turning my video off. <laughs> but um, I, I, I like that his look evolved throughout the movie. Yeah. I thought that was a really nice touch. And and Shamar Moore, who plays him, you know, I, I think he does a great job of really kind of. He has to kind of figure out, like, wait, what what am I doing here, right? You know, um, versus. And and he, you know, first is just being like he shows up and and then they're like, you want to fight with us? And he's like, okay, but as basically yeah, um, but I and I really enjoyed that aspect of the movie, especially when he shows up and and they all think he's one of the parademons. Mm-hmm. I mean, it makes and it, and it makes perfect sense because in the movie there's a little bit of a fight, whereas in the book it's like one panel where he shows up and. Green Lantern's like, oh, there's another one, and then, and they're like, wait, wait, it's not him, and they're like, think, oh, okay. I think Batman tells him, hey, that's not one of them. Right, right. It's it's really really quick, and it's it's weird how quick it is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and again, but you know, it's it it is the pacing of the story. It's just like mm-hmm. we don't have time for another fight. It's like it's boom, 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 boom. Um, All right, we need to be friends immediately. <laughs> right, and so it's it's I think ultimately it's a minor critique because you get the feeling that. Cyborg will get fleshed out later, which does happen in the in later issue. Um, but it's 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 super quick in in the book. It is, but I I can't pick on that one because if I were to make a critique about the story as a whole, mm-hmm. it's and I don't know maybe this is more because of the the animated movie, but I don't like this Superman. Oh, okay. I like the look of him, of course. Sure, <laughs> but I I don't like this kind of cocky mean-spirited superman in a way yeah i i thought about that too where it's like he's he's immediately ready for a fight yeah which is yeah not not really who superman is you know even even i think in the quote-unquote early stage of his career right he he would want to if he's being confronted by you know at, at the very least two humans that most likely he's heard of. He's had to have heard of Batman and exactly. Green Lantern. At least Batman he's heard of. And plus he can see Batman is a human. Yeah. So you'd think he'd want to just be like, all right, I'm, we're not going to fight because if we fight, you're going to lose. So mm-hmm. let's just talk. And so it's just, it's just a way to have a, a fight, I guess. And and it looked cool, right? You mm-hmm. know, as we've been talking about, it looked amazing. And 
and I remember, um, so it was after the, it was way after this, well, not way after, but it was when um, the Injustice video game was coming out, mm-hmm. and they were talking to all these different DC people, saying like, oh, who would win in this fight, this person or this person? You know, do you remember those videos? Um, kind of. Because I remember Stephen Amell doing one, because like Arrow had just started, and there was like Green Arrow versus Hawk Girl, and and he was like, oh, well, Green Arrow would win, you know? <laughs> of course. Um, <laughs> and then, but I also remember, I think it was Jeff Johns and Jim Lee, and they talked about Superman and Green Lantern, like who would win in a fight, and Jeff Johns could make a convincing argument that Green Lantern might win, you know? Um, and, and I always thought that was, and the way he described it was really funny, where he's like, yeah, he would just send like a little blip, a green blip into like his brain and broke him out. And then everybody else would be like, oh my gosh, what's going on? And he'd be like, I don't know, guys. He would tell me how awesome I am, and then he'd just drop. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like the, the Ant-Man versus Thanos thing. Yeah. It's kind of <laughs> like that. Well, and, and if that doesn't happen in Quantumania, then Marvel just, they don't they don't give a shit about what the fans want to see. I was sick in What If is like a 30-minute episode. <laughs> just have well, that. Yeah, you know, get him, get him out of the quantum realm and have him <laughs> fight Thanos to a different he... quantum realm. <laughs> <laughs> That's what gross. I would do. Oh, but, <laughs> but yeah, Green Lantern could do something similar. Yeah, the fight between like really, or not really because it's comic book, but if you want to have just a whole storyline of those two fighting, it mm-hmm. could be pretty cool. Yeah. I don't know if I'd want to see it really, but it'd be cool. Yeah, I think you know ultimately it. Yeah, yeah, it'd be fun to, to read and everything, but it just gets, you know, a lot of times it, it's fun to talk about, but I don't know, like, like for, for example, like Injustice in general, like, I think because Tom Taylor is such a great writer, yeah, I never got tired of the stuff he was doing with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the hands of a lesser writer, it could have just been beat him up, stop, like beat him up, stop, you know, it would have been like a, I don't know what the Mortal Kombat movie was, right? <laughs> well, I was thinking, no, I meant like the, the Injustice movie they made. Oh, oh gosh, I hate that movie. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of figured it exists a lot of the time because I, I dislike it that much. But that it, was that was bad. It, it it was it was shockingly bad considering that the, the blueprint is it's right there. Not only they do you have the video game, you have the how did this happen? Yeah, it it was bizarre. And I was and I remember being excited about the cast because I thought Justin Hartley was a good choice. I was like, yeah, that'd be cool because he'll be like a dark, mean Superman. But mm-hmm. Justin Hartley has such a, like, a soft, sweet voice. So it'll be kind of a cool juxtaposition. And then I I just remember, you know, I, I think like the first five minutes, they kill off the Flash. <laughs> and I was like, I, I was watching with my cousin and I turned to her, I was like, did you kill the Flash? He was like, I think so. And I was I'm like, okay, five minutes in, I'm already mad. You know? <laughs> like, Yeah. I remember having a similar, not to that, I don't remember that actually, but <coughs> I had a similar reaction to a bunch of stuff in mm. the movie. I was yeah. like, what is this? <laughs> um, oh my God. It, but that's, uh, but go, you know, going back to the, uh, to the, the, the book and the movie, I thought that the book or what the movie did really well was the way they kind of, you know, Batman got Superman to stop fighting them 
was, you know, he just like holds out his hand. He's like, oh, you bruised, but you don't kill, do you, Clark? And oh, he's like, yeah. yeah. And he's like, okay, I'm listening. And I was like, that's cool. Like, and that's that, so cool. <laughs> it felt like such a Batman moment too. like, just to pull that out of his pocket. Like, he's always got some sort of contingency, as we all know as Batman fans, right? Like, <laughs> it's, but, it's like that that moment when uh, Lantern asks him, do you have a satellite? Yeah. And Batman just kind of, <laughs> I think he smiles. Yeah. And, uh, and and I love that they have that in the uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League, too. You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have a satellite? I, have six. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. There, there's so <laughs> many things that were pulled from this book mm-hmm. and <laughs> this animated film into Snyder's Justice League. It's kind of amazing. It, it, it really is um, because the, the, like, I mean, the obvious thing being Cyborg being included. Yeah. I, I think just it made it like immediately when they announced Ray Fisher was going to play Victor Stone, I was like, oh, they're, they're new 50 doing this. Like, mm-hmm. and I think the only downside to that was I don't wish the dark side had been the villain in the first film, you know, and I get what they were doing, but um, at, at the same time, it's like, man, like they, you almost wish they would have just, you know, gone for broke in the first film <laughs> it would have been something i have you know it, it's in retrospect yes i think that would have been the way to go mm-hmm. but i really love what we got so i can't i can't disagree with it that, that, you know and it's true you know i it, it's i tend to if i rewatch the movie which i don't very often but i, I kind of just skip ahead mm-hmm. you know i'm like as, as much as i enjoy all you know the world building that snyder's doing you also kind of feel like at a certain point, all right, dude, like it's been, <laughs> it's been seven minutes and Superman is still screaming. <laughs> um, you know, let's, let's just move this along here. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but, uh, but, you know, but anyway, um, I think uh, it, it is interesting thinking about the, the cast that they have in this movie that yeah. about half of them don't, come back for the other movies you know um it's Justin Kirk at Green Lantern and I think he does a, a decent job but you know that he gets replaced with Nathan Fillion for the other one um which like it's kind of makes sense because Nathan Fillion sort of you know it's like the unwritten rule that he's everybody's favorite Green Lantern <laughs> I don't know how that happened but yes I, I actually <laughs> like Justin Kirk a lot though I was a big fan of his on weeds mm-hmm and uh, I really liked hearing him as Hal. I also, I thought he would be a great Joker, like live action at one point too. Oh, yeah. He's yeah. got a great look for it. But um, yeah, I was kind of disappointed when he did not return, but Jason O'Mara decided to. If I had to pick my least favorite voice Batman actor, it's mm. that guy. He, I, it's, it's painfully obvious to me in this film that it's his first time doing it because you sort of, if they recorded it chronologically which maybe they did i i, I would assume so I would you, think so. you can tell that he's still figuring out the voice as the movie goes on yeah and it also changes <laughs> yeah and, and i've never and i and i really don't like his look in the movie either like the way they tried to adapt the art like the ears look kind of weird to me they add the chin strap and it just it, i always thought it just looked strange and they kept that going for the next like Six or seven. <laughs> Let me yeah, he had like 
bullhorns for the ears yeah. or something. I don't know what those were. And yeah. then like those big, it looked like he was wearing headphones underneath the cowl or yes. something. Yeah. It, yeah, it, I didn't like the way the suit was adapted in the animated film, but you know, in, in I, I think it, it kind of works, I guess, because you also get the spiked knuckles, which were neat. Yeah, yeah. sometimes they show, sometimes they don't. That's mm-hmm. cool. Well, that's I feel like that's something that they they did from like the Nolan movies, like because he has like brass knuckles in his yeah. gloves. So I thought that was a cool look. It's a nice um, touch. Yeah, and, but it's also, again, like I said, it's such a busy look. It is. That, like you can you can like like the Bruce Tim style, you know, you can just simplify it, and it's Batman, you know. <laughs> um, think, you know, talking about the cast, I think that's what they tried to do with this. We mm-hmm. do like what Bruce Tim did, <clears throat> build a great voice cast, yeah, fill in the stories around them. I don't think it worked that well for this. No, and it's funny you mentioning about the, you know, the the kind of angrier, like impulsive, whatever however you want to describe it, Superman, uh, because I don't mind Alan Tudyk as Superman. I think he does a good job, but I, I'd i almost rather hear him play a more Christopher Reeve-ish yeah. type Superman. Uh, great. Well, I really like Jerry O'Connell when he does the other movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he did a good job, even though I'm not, I'm not like a huge Jerry O'Connell fan. Um, well, I mean, I love Stand By Me, of course, but... <laughs> um, <laughs> And Scream 2. I think those might be the only movies I ever saw him in. <laughs> I've seen him in some... I think I usually liked Eric O'Connell. I can't remember what I've seen him in right now, but I like him usually. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and then again, it's uh, Michelle Monaghan as, uh, as Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. And she... And again, she... Going back to your Thor analogy, she feels like she's channeling like the Chris Hemsworth from yep. Thor 1. Uh, whereas when Rosario Dawson comes in, like, like there's no doubt in my mind that's Wonder, you know, even though I recognize it's her, but it feels like Wonder Woman, right? Well, I think Rosario Dawson could have played Diana at some point in her career, even. Yeah. Whereas Marcelle Monaghan, probably not. No, no. But Rosario Dawson, yeah, I would have been in for that. Yeah, yeah. For also, sure. um, didn't Jennifer Carpenter take over at some point during the series? She or was she one in one of those offshoots? She was, I think she was Catwoman in one of the offshoots. Um, she was Diana too. I could be wrong though. Maybe, maybe, um, because I, I don't, because I think it's Michelle Monaghan and then I think Rosario Dawson takes over, but maybe, maybe in something else. I don't remember. Um, yeah, they, they had a, like a revolving door for some of these characters. Yeah. Um, but uh, Christopher Gorham, who plays The Flash, I thought he was really great as Barry. Um, and I like that because I, I don't think it's in the book, but in the, in the movie they establish that he has some sort of relationship with Star Labs and Silas Stone and, and that works and that makes sense, you know, because you figure like, well, he'd want to you know, kind of like the, the TV show did, right? You know, he'd want to team up with scientists and probably figure out his powers. And then it's like, well, you help me figure out my powers and I'll help you figure out all this weird alien stuff that's showing up, you know. Um, and and so I liked that they added that aspect to it. And I thought that Christopher Gorham was really, you know, he, he did a good job at The Flash. I think he was a standout, actually. Yeah. He was one yeah. of the ones I think they got, they did really well. Yeah. And uh, and so funny to me, if I 
if you were to hand me a list of actors and say who should be the voice of Shazam, I don't think I ever would have picked John Aston. <laughs> no, but it but, works. Yeah. He and I think that that's the fun thing about voice acting anyway. It's part of the reason I feel like Alan Tudyk as Superman, because I my brain knows it's Alan Tudyk, but listening to it, I'm just like, but is it? You know? <laughs> For me, Alan Tudyk is one of those voice actors, or I mean actor in general, but he's one of those guys I don't ever place with his voice. Like when he's the Joker for Harley Quinn. Oh yeah goes over my head it's like that's the joker yeah i don't know who alan tudyk is that's the joker yep uh yeah. i thought i thought that way about wreck it ralph you know i didn't even know that was him until he's the... ralph? no he's not wreck it ralph he's uh oh. king candy i didn't know that yeah yeah that's cool yeah and then he's kind of become the de facto uh uh like disney voice actor guy like he's in i think since wreck it ralph he's in almost every animated disney thing that's come I out no idea yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Go, no, go Wreck It Ralph is uh, John C. Riley. That's what I was thinking. I thought that was John C. Riley. Yeah, <laughs> like did no, I miss uh, something along the way here? It's like Alan Tudyk is really good. He sounds just like John C. Riley. <laughs> why would he pick John C. Riley as the voice? For... <laughs> why would you do that? <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, but but again, like, but uh, Sean Astin and Shazam, like, um, you know, he just, you know, even in his like, you know. 40s 50s however old he is um he i mean he still sounds he still has like a youthful sound to his voice so you know kind of kind of like zachary levi where zachary levi when he's acting you could totally buy him as well this is a 13 year old that became a 30 year old yeah yeah i, uh, I don't know if it's the dialogue that allows them both of them because you could see how this animated one would feed directly into the live action zachary levi one we have yes they're yeah. really similar mm -hmm. so i don't know if that's just the writing that gets them this way or if these actors are bringing them to life like that but with, with sean Aston especially he doesn't miss a beat it's great yeah it's it's really fantastic to the point where when he's gone to cons i, I haven't met him at, at a con yet you know but i've thought about bringing like a shazam comic for him to sign <laughs> yeah. uh, I was like, that'd be kind of cool um but uh because i but, you know, I've been, you know, I mean, I grew up and I loved the Goonies, right? You know, mm -hmm. um, and I was actually watching, um, I think it was an HBO movie. Uh, uh, he was Harrison Bergeron, I think, if I'm saying the name right. You ever read that? I think it's the, mm -hmm. the Philip K. Dick book. Um, I don't, it's not, I don't think it's called Harrison Bergeron. But either way, like, it was a weird adaptation of this really interesting short story. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um I'm saying it all wrong. Listeners, you know, tell me you know, what, what I'm doing wrong here. Uh, but uh, I, but I thought I was like, this movie, I was like, this movie isn't that isn't great. It's totally missing the point of what the book was. But he's still great. <laughs> well, yeah, he's he's just good in anything. Like uh, truth be told, I think my first memory of him is actually Encino Man. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, that's kind of where my mind goes is Encino Man. <laughs> I didn't see Goonies until a few years ago. So I think oh, yeah. Encino Man and Lord of the Rings. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I remember watching Lord of the Rings when it came out in the movie theater and thinking, that's Mikey. <laughs> you know? um, and like it, it like took me a minute to like be like, you know, oh, that's that's Mikey. He grew up in, he's in, he's in uh, Hobbiton. <laughs> Hobbiton? Yeah, in the, in the Shire. <laughs> he grew up to be a Hobbit. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, what a charmed life. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's made his millions. Uh, yeah. So he can he can take a scale paycheck for, for an he animated movie. He can be Shazam movie. again, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Put him in, like, uh, the video game or something. Right, yeah, exactly. Um, but, uh, and then... Um, it's uh, I believe it's Stephen Bloom who plays uh, Darkseid, and uh, and I think he does a, a good job. But the the book and the movie, the irritating thing to me about Darkseid is he's just played like a brute. When it's like, yeah. oh, Darkseid's so much more than that, and I, and I get that that characterization probably had to get sacrificed for all the heroes, but it's like, but that's the thing that DC has always had going for it over Marvel, is that they have like such amazing villains and Darkseid being one of the best and you know it and like first and first and foremost how you gonna top Michael Ironside right you know I, I love that they brought him back for the Harley Quinn show mm-hmm. you know that that really made me happy hearing him as the character I was oh oh we're, we're in good hands <laughs> you know um and I because but because it's uh Tony Todd in the other movies mm-hmm. um Playing, um, which I think Tony Todd is uh, good too, though. Playing Darkseid in uh, like the Death of Superman and then the uh, Apocalypse War. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Tony Todd, I mean, it's Tony Todd, right? Yeah, you, you can't know? argue with Tony Todd. And you know, when you have the can, when you have the Candyman in your movie, you can't really go wrong with that, right? You know, having. Um, like he was uh, Doom in season two of The Flash, and he was perfect. You know, he's such an amazing voice. I think the Candyman or Tony Todd, as you probably would prefer to be called, <laughs> probably voice any character, and make them sound sinister. Like he could be voiced like an animated Willy Wonka, and I think he'd be terrifying. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like imagine him doing the Good Day, sir. You get nothing. I don't want to hear that. No, no, that'd be, you know, that movie'd be ruined forever. <laughs> it's already. You know, it's already a pretty wild movie to be. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if we need that, but yeah. the, Tony Todd is great at whatever he does. But Steve Bloom, I think he does a good job as Dark Side, but he doesn't shut up. The character just keeps talking in this yeah. one. It's like I don't need that. Yeah, it's you know, and, and that's sort of the odd thing is that like Dark Side is, you know, even, ironically when we talk about like a great voice actor like uh, Michael Ironside. What what works is that there's kind of an innate sinisterness to mm-hmm. his voice and i'm sure michael ironside's a, a nice guy in real life you know but um, his voice could fool me yeah <laughs> exactly um but it, it's just funny to me hearing this uh you know like like steve bloom is really like putting it on and i'm sure there's like sound effects and stuff that they're doing to amplify mm-hmm. it um but i will say that they do a good job of so he doesn't sound like steve bloom because when i hear steve bloom you know it's like I think of Wolverine in the X, right? Yeah, he did a great job on that. <laughs> oh, he's oh, he's fantastic as Wolverine, and there's a reason that they've brought him back in several other Marvel animated things. He's in um, Midnight Suns too, as Wolverine. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. well, and and that's nothing against like Cal Dodd, who I kind of grew up with with the animated show, uh, the the '90s show, I mean. Right. Um, but like sometimes some of these actors, they just I don't know, they they just nail it out of the gate and. Uh, but that's the other thing is that like when Steve Bloom, you know, playing like a video game or some other animated thing, I'm immediately like, oh, that's Steve Bloom. You know? <laughs> yeah, well, Darkseid is different. Like you said, I think 
you can't just do your voice and your dark side. There has to be something else with it. Yeah. Unless you're Michael Ironside. Yeah. yeah. He, he just kind of brings it himself. Right. But Steve Bloom needs a little help in this one. But yeah. I think it also doesn't help that he's so chatty. And it's not like he's saying anything that matters. I think yeah. that's what gets me. None mm-hmm. of his dialogue actually matters in this. Right. Yeah. He's just and, kind of mumbling. And and that's the thing, is in the book, he doesn't really talk. He just kind mm-hmm. of shows up and starts pummeling him. Yeah, and, he's very one-dimensional. Yeah, and, and that's and that's kind of a shame. But again, like I said, it, it's probably that character is sacrificed for the other seven. And so there's just there's only so much character that you can get into these things. Mm-hmm. And again, I think it's it's sort of a critique after the fact, because I'm not reading the book going, well, they ruined Darkseid, because I don't think that. <laughs> like, I just feel like, oh, well, this is how we're starting, but it's not where we're going to end with him. Um, I, I, don't, I think that's kind of an interesting question, though, if you think about it, because we as fans, we know this isn't the end of Darkseid. Right. We understand Darkseid is the big bad. Mm-hmm. As far as DC villains go, he is the top of the food chain. He's bigger than the Thanos, if you will. Right. The Thanos of Marvel. So that's good for us. But if a new reader, like what they were intending to do with this book, picked up and said, oh, this dark side guy sucks. They killed him in one issue. Yeah. And they sent him home. Mm-hmm. You know, I wonder how it works for someone like that, like who just picked it up, doesn't know who dark side is. All they know is throughout five issues, he's talked about like he's really bad. Yeah. Yeah, he's a... Uh... And and that's also one of my favorite lines that I'm glad made it into the adaptation and in Zack Snyder's Justice League. And they say, oh, I'm guessing that's the bad guy. Good guess. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a good line. It is. Um, and and my other favorite line I forgot was in the uh, in both the book and the in the adaptation when he says uh, Green Lantern's like, all right, let's go, we got this. <laughs> and then Flash is teasing him like, we got this. That's all you have. It it makes me think of Ghostbusters, right? You know, like. Oh yeah, <laughs> like that's all he could think about, and I was laughing the whole time. So, oh, that was your whole plan. Get her. You you <laughs> mentioned Ghostbusters, and it's funny because when I was watching the adaptation, and the way they try to push him in the portal reminded me of Ghostbusters too, and they're trying to get Vigo back in the painting. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I was thinking of when I was watching. <laughs> that's funny. Um, yeah, it, you know, because it's I think in the in the comic it's it's pretty well paced, but. In the movie, like after a few minutes, I was a little bit like, "Okay, can we just get the guy out of here now?" <laughs> it was a bit much. The yeah. ending runs way too long in that movie. Yeah, but in the comic, I prefer the way it's done, where the portals are all kind of around them, mm-hmm. and you have the struggle between Batman, Superman, and Darkseid. It's just them, really. Yeah, I think that works better. Yeah, um, but you know, that's talking uh, adaptation versus source material. I prefer the source material. Yeah, and it's it's just one of those. Uh, I don't know. It's uh, you know, you know, book versus movie kind of thing. Yeah. And, you know, ninety nine percent of the time, the the book is better. Um, and it, but I I like that this was sort of not the start, but this was nice for DC to where they could adapt this story and do a lot with it. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas like some of the other ones are just they're kind of page for page. Right, you know, like Dark Knight yeah. Returns or Batman Year One, and and don't get me wrong, I love those movies, um, but there is sort of a, it, it gets a little annoying a little bit when you're like, okay, well, now I don't feel like I need to read the comic, whereas like in this case, I could read the comic and it feels different, you know, or at least a little bit. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, that's actually a really good point. I didn't think of it that way because <laughs> like for for me, 
I love the Killing Joke book. Mm-hmm. I watched the movie. I don't want to read the book anymore. I don't want to watch the movie. Uh-huh. The book kind of killed the movie killed both of them for me. But something like the long Halloween. I think I prefer the movie over the book now. Yeah. Uh kind of weird because the movie is paced very differently. Um and I don't know. And I think having it be two parts works too. It does, um, and the, the change to the reveal works so much better. I don't want Lauer to kill me or something. I could hear <laughs> the Batman Book Club coming after me, but I think <laughs> the animated movie works better than the original story in, in some areas. Yeah, it, it well, it's tough because, you know, when you have kind of the nature of how Jeff Loeb writes is that he writes it very episodically like mm-hmm. this, you know this is the joker issue this is the riddler issue this is the you know the catwoman issue i mean she's in most of it but yeah. like based on like the covers right and and hush is that way too mm-hmm. which like you know the the hush anime movie kind of like the injustice movie mm-hmm. i don't think i ever want to watch it again because no, i'm out for that one <laughs> i was extremely disappointed um and you know I, I we you know it was one of the first episodes we did on the show actually my, my buddy and i talked about uh, the Hush comic and how we were both really disappointed in the movie because they didn't have the, the emotional stakes in the movie didn't really Hush. Ex- yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, you know a Hush movie without Hush what the hell yeah and and it's sort of like and again I thought this about the All Star Superman movie too it's like I I enjoy the movie but mm-hmm. to me it's like I I feel like you're adapting. The wrong chapters here you know you adapt the the kryptonian you know long lost l family chapter but not the chapter where pa kent dies whereas like that chapter i felt like aided superman in his emotional journey to death he got to see his father again yeah so that works better but you know it and but then again that that comic really wasn't meant to be adapted into a movie. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. Some of these comics are not, but you look at something like Justice League Origin, which I didn't even know that's what it was called until you told me. Yeah. I thought it was just Justice League Jeff Johns edition or whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. The Jeff John Justice League. But um that's that's like like the thing with that one. It is just perfect yeah. for an adaptation. It's paced well. Mm-hmm. You get the all the character develop you need from dialogue and the action is open ended enough. To where you can do what you want with it and yeah. they do yeah and and there's i mean there's a reason that this story plus shazam plus aquaman that i'm, I'm talking about the live action movies mm-hmm. um and zack snyder's justice league that they're taking from jeff johns's books i mean he kind of was first and foremost kind of a screenwriter you yeah. know so his his scripts are very cinematic and you know the way he lets the artists tell the stories it, it feels gigantic, you mm-hmm. know, and and there's a lot of comic book writers, you know, like a Grant Morrison, who sort of embraces the comic book medium and there's stuff you can only do in comics. Um, you know, and Alan Moore is kind of famously that way, too. Um, but mm-hmm. Jeff Johns is like, you know, I, I'm essentially writing a movie. And if you guys want to use it as the movie, you can. You know, there's a reason that, you know, Warner Brothers has been obsessed with Flashpoint for the past 10 years, right? <laughs> They, they really let's get past flashpoint guys yeah. <laughs> well you know flashpoint it, it, it's like the flash's version of death of superman right mm-hmm. it's you know a it's, deal. Like, it's a great it's, story it's it's the it's that's the big one and if we're gonna do one you gotta do that one um whereas like 
it you know they're really and like i guess for batman it would be the long halloween right because there's been <laughs> i would say it's dark knight returns oh that's true too yeah yeah I, like if we had to peg one specific story for each character yeah superman is death of superman hands mm-hmm. down nobody can get over it for whatever reason yeah batman is the dark knight returns flash is definitely flashpoint yeah and and again even with like the the green lantern movie um was you know a lot of it was based on johnson's run Mm -hmm. um and and that's not and that's not for nothing considering that you know and and whatever people are you know what ray fisher whoever is saying about jeff johns you know i you know i I don't know him personally i've seen him at cons he signed some stuff for me i mean he's always seemed like a nice guy so you know who knows what he's like on a movie set (laughs) right yeah, um, we, we weren't there. Who knows? All, right. I think you can agree. This all we can speak for is what we've his work. Yes. Yeah. You know, we like the comics. That's that's kind of it. <laughs> yeah, and and that's fine for me. You know, because I think that, and again, like the like the Star Girl TV show is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard that, and um, well, I highly recommend it. Uh, and even some of the stuff on Titans, a lot darker. And a lot of it I don't like, <laughs> but there's quite a lot of it I do like. You, you know, Titans, the 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 live action show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, I didn't know that. I, I've watched. I, I just couldn't get to the latest season. I tried, uh-huh. not for me. <laughs> he, I haven't watched it yet, but yeah, he he helped develop, and I think he wrote a good chunk of the first season. Oh, okay, uh, that makes, that makes more sense. I didn't know that he he wrote the later stuff. Yeah, okay. he wrote. And he wrote the uh, the first episode of season three, which when it's the Titans in the the beginning of the the episode uh, fighting, I forget the character name Gizmo or something. It just it's so classic Titan, so cool. It was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. Yeah, my and it's like and I met Britton Wade uh, last year at um, Motor City Con in Michigan, and I told him that like when he shows up and he's like, "Hey, big guy." That was like, cool. Like finally, after all these after all these episodes, we're getting like a real Dick Grayson now. <laughs> that guy really is Dick Grayson. Oh yeah, yeah. Like he's he's leapt off the page. Mm-hmm. Um, he's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And and don't get me wrong, I liked what they did with him when he was the, the darker and still figuring himself out, and trying to get out of Batman's shadow. All that really worked. Maybe it went on a little too long, but yeah, that's just oh, topic for another day. Oh, um, oh. But anyway, back to Justice League. <laughs> oh yeah, that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think that's sort of the the nice thing about this is that, from what I gather, I, I read, I actually read, reread this on uh, DC Infinite Ultra, mm-hmm. um, and so it was like the um, like the Ultimate Edition or whatever, whatever it's called, and there was a forward by Dan Didio, and who I kind of forgot. But but he talked about how Jeff Johnson and Jim Lee were already working on a Justice League origin story, and then they kind of made it into the, the New 52 story. And to me, that kind of made a lot of sense, rereading it, thinking, yeah, this, this does kind of, you know, with the exception of Cyborg, it would have kind of worked as, as a Justice League origin for, like, you know, the, the original Justice League, right? Um, like maybe Cyborg would have been Martian Manhunter or something. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, you know it, it doesn't say it in the forward. 
but um but i but again i think it speaks to what what he was doing there that deliberately the first you know five chapters are very much a straightforward they get together they fight they work out their differences then they fight the bad guy and then the last issue is when they start teasing the future arc team stuff. Uh, what's that the team stuff yeah yeah and and all that's well and good and um but i find my i found myself when i got to that sixth issue i forgot that i forgot about that so i was like oh yeah this is the bad guy in the second arc and mm-hmm. then this is and then they're teasing like all the like pandora and you know all that weird stuff that <laughs> happened later <laughs> Do you remember when they were teasing New 52 and they kept sticking Pandora hidden in the art yes. for different stuff? I thought about that a lot, actually. Uh, and I I don't miss that. <laughs> no. I mean, it was and, cool at the time. Like, it was a Where's Waldo with, with, with Pandora? Yes, with Pandora. yes. But did we need it? Probably not. But it was fun. Well, it, it just... The New 52, you know, and, I, and I've talked about this before on the show, but it... You know, and Jeff Johns admitted this later when they did DC Rebirth is that they did the new fifty two and they were just like, Okay, like we're we're starting over, you know. And then they were and then all of us fans were like, Okay, but like, did this happen? Did this happen? Did this happen? Mm-hmm. Wait, if it's only been five years, why does Batman have four Robins? And how does he have a ten year old son? And <laughs> Yeah, it didn't make sense. Yeah, and and some of those questions got answered, but I was thinking about it and I was laughing about it going you know what's funny is that like the the main book that uh, other than Batman really that didn't change at all was Green Lantern. Like it literally picks back up with Sinestro as a Green Lantern. Um, Wasn't that something? Yeah, I I thought about that going, man. Like if if you were to read a Green Lantern number one and be like, oh cool, a jump a new jumping on point, you'd have no fucking idea what was going on. In the book. <laughs> yeah, and that was the thing about the New Fifty Two for um a lot of people, <coughs> myself included. Because I wasn't reading every character. Right. So I saw New 52 as a chance to read more characters. Mm-hmm. But then I was like, okay, this is the same old baggage. What, what are we doing here? <laughs> yeah. It, and, and you know, Jeff Johns admitted that when they did Rebirth. He he was like, you know, we were just sort of told, it, we're starting fresh, go for it. And didn't have a, a, a roadmap. So he deliberately made out a roadmap for writers to go off of when they did Rebirth. And it, and it really showed when, if you were to read any of the New 52 when that started versus Rebirth, because there, it it was clear that there was a, there was a story going forward. Yes. And, and, and for my money, and I've said this before, I'll say it again. I think if they, when they did the New 52, it should have been a hundred percent, you know, ground up reboot. Like, you know, Batman shouldn't have had any Robins. Um, it should have been like the like the action comics that was going on. That should have been Superman's new origin. Yeah, you know, and it's like if you're gonna do it, then do it. You know, <laughs> yeah, tear the bandaid off. I'm yeah. I'm with you on that because I feel the same way. That's what I like the new Fifty Two. I think we got a lot of great stuff. I know I'm kind of in the minority there. Yeah, yeah. No, but you're <laughs> but right. I think no, you're right. There was a lot of great stuff, but in retrospect, because we could do that now, we're we're sure. quite a ways from it. <laughs> Maybe we should have just had a complete reboot. And if you would have done that, this particular story, I think would have been even better. Yeah. Because yeah. this could have served as introduction to the whole universe. Like, oh, this is how this version is. 
Yeah. Batman's an asshole again. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Hal Jordan's fun. Cool. Yeah. You know, you could have did those things. But as is, I mean, I enjoy New 52. I think Rebirth is better, though. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, and even the stuff they've been doing recently, um, you know, as of this recording, at least now, it's like the dawn of the DCU. Yeah. I'm very excited about that because, again, it's like, if you're going to restart with number ones, like, you know, make, make them new reader friendly. Um, that's always been my critique with Brian Michael Bendis is that every time he did like a, an Avengers number one, it felt like it, well, it, it was a good jumping on point, but still there was still baggage, right? <laughs> well, I think that's just a Marvel thing in general because they had like, I think it was an amazing Spider-Man number one recently. Was it Probably because there's been like 14. <laughs> right. So I, 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 I got that and I was like, cool, I'm going to read amazing Spider-Man. I'm like, wait a minute. What yeah. happened 10 issues ago that I need to know? Mm-hmm. Well, like it's a Marvel thing. Well, Dan, well, Dan Slott, he wrote like I think three or four different Amazing Spider-Man number one. <laughs> I didn't know that till after the fact. I was like, yeah, and, that, and I, I, I looked up. I was like, wait a minute. And, and I don't get me wrong. I love his run. He's yeah, one of my favorite Spider-Man writers. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and if he's listening to this, please jump on the Spider-Man book club. But you know, it's uh at a certain point you just you just kind of i roll my eyes when they that's why i like when dc they don't they don't do number ones very often you know they did with new 52 but because it's like i think most people like if you or i were to give um it's the cat again okay (laughs) uh if you were um He's like, you're not paying attention to me. Uh, uh, if you or I were to give our friends like books to read, you know, we're not gonna. I'm not gonna say to them, "Well, you need to start with Wonder Woman number one from the New Fifty Two. It's like I give them. Well, I might give them that. That was actually a pretty good story, but yeah. Um, but there's. I give there's, them Batman number twenty five. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's there's stuff in there that it's like you can pick up what's going on through either through contact or. It just doesn't matter because the story itself is good enough, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so we don't need to reset every, you know, in, in Marvel's case, every 25, 30 issues. Let's just no. let these things breathe. But, you know, to, to aid some that Marvel does that DC doesn't, and I think they should be doing, is when you read a Marvel book, there's always that recap. Mm. So if you, if you are jumping on, you're not as lost. Whereas DC yeah. will give you a book and you open the cover, Joker's pregnant. You're like, how did this happen? <laughs> I, you know I, I, I didn't mean? I didn't read that, but I read about it and I was like, that's really weird. <laughs> it's wild. It's so wild. <laughs> um well that's but that's a Stan Lee thing too. Like Stan Lee was big on that, you know. Yeah. Um, it's good. It's good to do that though. And I think yeah. especially in the case of the new fifty two, mm-hmm. it would have helped just to have those blurbs. Yeah. Because some of the, like you said, they just, like Green Lantern, just carried on. <laughs> it, well, and, and it, from a business point of view, it kind of made sense because that that was one of their more popular books. Oh, yeah, so they wanted, awesome. Yeah, so they want to keep that story going. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, but like you're just sort of, it's, it's why I hope that with the, the upcoming movie that, you know, because there's rumors that, you know, it's still going to be Zachary Levi as Shazam and everything. And and you know who knows at this point, yeah. um, but 
It's like, you know, who wants to tell him that he's fired before his movie comes out, right? Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't. Um, yeah. But at the same time, I'm thinking, like, yeah, but like, it, it, you know, isn't that the whole point of doing the, the new thing? Because if we just, if we, well, we're going to keep Zachary Levi, but not Henry Cavill. I, it, I don't know, you know, it's, it, it, it's, it's the same thing a little bit, you know, on a bigger scale, of course. But it, yeah, DC on film trying to be the new 52. I don't like that idea exactly. Yeah. Because that's kind of what it feels like is at first I thought it was going to be a straight reboot. Now I'm not so sure. Yeah. It's, it again, it's very confusing. And maybe, you know, at least as of this recording, James, James Gunn says he's going to reveal some of the plans. And I'm like, you know, I, I'm all about like these reboots and stuff because there's a part of me that's sort of annoyed with Marvel at this point going, I miss Tony Stark. You know, like I yeah. miss. I miss Steve Rogers and it sucks that I can't see them interact with like the Fantastic Four or the X-Men. Um, that does suck. So, but at the same time, it's like, I, I get what they're doing. I like, I'm, I am digging some of the stories, um, but it's like, yeah, but we, we had a team of Avengers and, and now we don't. And, and I miss them. <laughs> I do too, but for what it's worth, I am excited about the new team. Like, Sam Wilson's cap. I'm very excited to see that in action because yeah, yeah. I, I really like what we got of him in the series and, and the other characters. So I'm excited, but yeah, I'm I'm with you too. I also miss certain people. Yeah. And and not just and it's not even just the actors. It's like and that's what I like about DC is that, you know, and I think audiences at this point just sort of accepted that well, there's gonna be a new Batman every few years, right? You know. He's <laughs> so. like James Bond at this point. He should be. Right. All these characters should take the James Bond approach, I think. Yeah. And we all know the James Bond actor is going to get recycled. <laughs> yeah. And it, and even with, I, I didn't see the movie, but I heard about how No Time to Die ends. Yeah. And it and it just feels like, do we need to do that? You know, <laughs> we, okay. <laughs> well, I, that, that's another thing, but the quick version of it is that's the way Craig wanted to do it. Okay. That's also the way Brazen wanted to, but they wouldn't let him at the time. Ah, okay. So, it's cool. And the way it works out is really, I don't call it beautiful, but I think it is. <laughs> uh, well, in that case, then I'll, I'll shut up because I just may not need to watch the movie. But, uh, <laughs> but, I recommend uh, it, but I'm also a Bond guy. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> um, it's, uh, it, you know, and that was a, that was a fan theory I, I read a long time ago that James Bond isn't his name. It's, it's his title or it's his yeah. alias or whatever. Um, yeah, that, that's an ongoing theory. James Bond is is actually like so. 007 is the agent title. Mm -hmm. James Bond is like the like that's Batman. Yeah, anyway, right. that's your mask. You're James Bond. Yeah, which I I, I kind of dig that. Uh, one of my favorite fan theories, you know, it's on the Bond kick for a second, is that Sean Connery's character in The Rock is his James Bond. I love that one actually, and, and I I totally subscribe to that one. So in my head canon. That's his James Bond. I subscribe to it just because one, it's cool. Also, it means he he's met Nicolas Cage. I'm all in. <laughs> yeah, that is yeah. perfect for me. See, you know, it's funny because somebody said something on Twitter like today, and it, I don't think it, it wasn't you that replied to it, but I thought of you because I thought of the the Nicolas Cage gift where he, you know, you know, points at the camera because <laughs> uh, I was like, I was like that. Because I, I was going to use it, and I was like, I better not use it. That's Chris's. <laughs> like, he, he owns that one. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> um, 
So uh, as we wrap up here, any final thoughts on kind of the Justice League origin story and, uh, you know, whether it's book adaptation, you know, what, what you know, overall thoughts, whatever. Overall thoughts. Um, you know, this is, like I said, this is a story I was so excited to read when it came out and I really, really enjoyed it when it came out. I still really, really enjoyed it when I went back to it now to do this. Yeah. Um, and the same thing, it's funny. You would think maybe your taste changes with certain things like, oh, that doesn't stick. No, the same things that stuck out before stick out now. Yeah. I love the bit with uh, Green Lantern Batman in the sewer. Yeah. He keeps hammering, you're just a guy? Yeah. And Batman takes the ring. I yeah. love it. It's 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 amazing to me. Mm-hmm. I like I like so much about this story. I really do. And I at sometimes I actually kind of wish it was slowed down a little bit so we can get some more of it. Mm-hmm. Just because the way it works is great. Yeah. Um, there are things I don't like, like we talked about, um, Superman and some other things, but not, nothing really stands out as bad to me. And with the adaptation, the the film, it's good. I, I think it's entertaining. It's just too long. I agree with that. Yeah, it's there's there's good there's good bits in it where, like I said, like the like the Clark line when Batman gets him to calm down. Yeah, I I like stuff like that. But when like Superman was on, I I think he was on Apocalypse and he was like almost turned into a parademon and he went like crazy for a little bit. I was like, yeah, this this should have been cut. no let's not do that yeah also, that's... i don't in the in the animated film he looks like brock lesnar did not like that either by the way <laughs> that's funny that's true yeah. it's true um, um, but i like i like both versions i like this story and mm-hmm. i think it's from when jeff johns was at his highest in my opinion of comic writing yeah yeah you had you know the green lantern stuff you had this uh i i think he's kind of tapered off a bit in terms of quality mm-hmm but this is like, if we're going to call it, if I would call it Golden Age Johns, it's this. For sure. Uh, and I've read quite a bit of his work. And it's funny because I read the Avengers stuff before he went to DC that he, mm-hmm. he did in the like early 2000s, I want to say. I think it was right before they did Disassembled, actually, now that I think about it, before Bendis took over. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember... And when I was reading him, because I was like on a huge Jeff Johns kick with, with this and all this stuff, I was like, well, I want to read his whole, his whole, you know, library. Yeah. And I, and I remember I enjoyed his adventure stuff, but it, it's funny. And it's part of the reason that I think Bendis wasn't as successful with Superman as he should have been, you know, because Bendis is a good writer. But it, the thing is, is that these characters are superheroes trying to be people. Whereas Marvel characters are people trying to be superheroes. And that's a huge distinction. And Bendis was great at that at Marvel. And Johns is great at that at DC. And when you flip them, it just, you can feel how off it is, you know? Um, Because I think that when Bendis started, I was like, oh, this is so great. This is so cool and exciting. And he's taking all these risks with Superman. Yeah. And then, and then after a while, it just, like when they did the Superman, you know, when he reveals his identity, I was like, this feels like this should be this gigantic story. And I feel like nobody's talking about it. And that's so bizarre. It was. And I got to say, I like some of the run that I did not like. Yeah. I, I don't like, I like when there is a Clark Kent and there's a Superman. Mm-hmm. I think you really shouldn't have one without the other, in my opinion. Yeah. And he, for him to do that was just bizarre. <laughs> It, it was a, 
I don't know, because I, I enjoyed the story. I just don't think the, the, all the follow-up was as good, mm-hmm. you know, un- until recently with the new, like, Action Comics 1050. I gotta get to that. I've heard it's great. Oh, it's... I, I, I've i not been reading Action Comics for years, and I picked that one up based on probably mutual friends of ours on Twitter, and yeah, I, I was... It. Yeah, I was blown away. I was like, oh, this is... We're back. We're, you know, you're like, we're back, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Mortimer, we're back. <laughs> um, you know, as always, Chris, this has been so awesome so exciting uh and uh you know it and i and i love getting to sit down and talk to you because you know we talk like we were talking off mic about toy story and you know (laughs) comparing notes about kids being weird and stuff and that's always fun so (laughs) it's always Um, a good time (laughs) so people are uh are looking for you out there in the uh in the new 52 verse where can they find you uh, you can find me with my Superman collar at that Chris Evans zero <laughs> on Twitter. And you can also find me at the podcast I host with my buddy Emmett Davis at G of the Geeks on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, we love Emmett. Emmett's awesome too. Um, you guys are, and you guys are an awesome pair too. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so I love that. Um, as for me, you can find me at four comic junkies uh, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, mostly Twitter. Um, and uh, you can email me at, uh, or excuse me, you can email me for comic junkies at gmail.com. Uh, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, please write a review, subscribe. Uh, also, check out the Spider Man Book Club uh, that I host, um, also available wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, my Twitter handle there is at Spider Man Book. Um, all right, folks, so we are, we're wrapping up here. We're getting ready to uh, have our Super Seven victory. And you know what? It's got, one thing to say about that, we got this.